0: been a minute since we've done one of these let's get unbothered everything bothers him he's unbothered he calls it unbothered but that's what's cute because everything bothers him he's bothered i'm a now. what's up everybody ty rivera here the absolute best lgbtq comedian in the world here with my co-host you just saw puppy linden and now here's Snoopy Bijou. Come here Bij, let me see you. Let let your fans see you. It's been a minute. Come on Bij, right here. Come on, get on daddy. Come on, come on. Proof of life in case anybody was wondering what happened to my little Bij, ah. Oh, a friend of mine said that the other day, like we were being silly and I said um, that I was hanging out with my dog or he said that he liked the stories with my dog And I was like, which, which dog? And then he was like, the one you let kiss you on the mouth. And I was like, that's both of my dogs. So still could be either. Who knows? Who cares? Anyway, um, this isn't my regular setup and I'm not sure where I'll eventually end up recording Unbothered. I am bringing Unbothered back, but I just tell you guys or ask you guys to be patient with me because I really am as busy as I say, especially lately. It's been... Truly ridiculous, and I'm really blessed for it because it's everything that I wanted as far as what's happening with my YouTube right now This is my secondary channel Which I've started to post unbothered on since I was doing unbothered on which means I've only done one post there and that's because if you check out my regular YouTube it really is blowing up and if you look at those videos, though, too, I edit out every breath. I edit out every um, and I'm not going to be doing that on Unbothered because it would be too time consuming to do it for a 45 minute. What are you doing? Stop that. Sorry, Lyndon's like acting like it's for his first time on a couch and he's going to get his ass beat is what's going to happen. Hey, you better stop. Get down. Go to your bed. Go to your bed. That's where I need you. Go to your bed. Hurry up. Come on. Get your little ass to your bed. Hurry up. That's, thank you, sir. Keep walking, keep moving. That's exactly right. We're in a tight ship around here. But anyway uh i'm not gonna be doing that much editing i'm not gonna lie to you and say there's gonna be no editing but i'm not gonna be doing that much editing there does have to be better lighting going on which i'm not sure exactly what i can do about that but i'll figure it out for sure i'll figure it out i'm not worried about anything to tell you the truth i really am loving life right now but it is like i said super busy because i've been saying that i want things to take off with my youtube and really i want to become full-time content creator part-time comedian that's what i really want and i'll always love doing stand-up but less and less do i actually want to be on the road i'm sure i will be on the road a lot once everything really takes off with my youtube but for right now i want to be on the road a lot less and i just want to concentrate on content creation and also with Linden, Linden's like what, five or six months old now, still a little boy, um, yeah, six months is what he'll, he has, he just turned six months, I believe the 23rd is his birthday, so he would be, yeah, six months on June 23rd, so we're on like the 27th or something like that, 28th, something like that um and i know i look crappy i'll try to look better for certain episodes but also i really feel like right now what's going to be watching my podcast and paying attention to my podcast are the true botherinas which if you're new around here and you maybe found me through the other channel or whatever botherinas are what i refer to my people as when it comes to The people that have been listening to my podcast forever because my podcast has been around since i think 2016 or 2017 and so we have some years between me and the botherinas and the botherinas have had to put up with me taking breaks i'm not going to be doing that with my primary channel unless it's absolutely necessary but as few breaks as possible. I'm trying to get up to five videos a week. Right now, the most I've done is three in a week. And then I was doing, then I had a week there where I was only able to do one. This week will probably shape up to be two. All that's behind the scenes stuff, you guys don't need to know. But just know that I'm working so hard. And so when I do the editing on those videos though, not only will I edit in clips and fun stuff like that to paint the picture, but also, like I said, I'll edit out every breath, every um, everything that doesn't help the story move forward or I don't feel is necessary. I edit out and so if you look at that like for a 10-minute video between that and just the general editing no lie it takes me five to six hours to do the basic part total Probably about eight hours when you figure in how long it takes for me to do all the finishing touches Because once I completely edit it down then I'll go through it again and watch it again and see what needs to come out I'm still not perfect at all of that But I am getting much better at it then you do have to put some idea Then you do have to put some thinking into how you're gonna title it and also you have to do the tags And so there's a lot that actually goes on For my YouTube right now. But with the results I'm having. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm not going to change the way that I'm doing things. Or do any huge overhauls. It's just a matter of doubling down on what I'm already doing. And then tonight my friend Jen had asked me to do her... Jen on the block is what her YouTube is and she does night nightly I believe live streams and she has a panel that she regularly has on and tonight I was a special guest because she wanted to discuss my latest video which I'll put up here or whichever side it's on I don't remember Um, but you'll see it when I point like that it'll be there and so I did her stream And we were talking about the latest video I did, which, you know, the latest video I did, I'm very proud of, but I thought it was very necessary to make that video because everything I'm doing right now on my actual channel, people have to understand, comes from a very real and a very genuine place. Because the thing with my regular channel is I don't think a lot of people understand that for me the community really has gotten out of control and I do want to help in any way that I can and use my voice to hopefully right the ship at least a little bit. Because the way the LGBT community really has turned into this thing that a lot of us did not sign on to be a part of and especially to support or more importantly, to fight for. A lot of the stuff that they're doing right now, I'm like, no, I don't want any of this to be the community that I belong to. I don't want to be a representative for that part of the community and what's happening with that. And I think anybody that doesn't understand that right now is blindly following an ideology and not using critical thinking skills because what's happening right now, I don't know how you can stand behind it. I've talked about on my regular channel how I am not at all a fan of introducing young people, specifically kids, because young people could be Twenty, eighteen, nineteen, once you're an adult, do what you want. I don't mind at all what adults do. That's your business. I don't care. But when it comes to kids, I don't understand why there's such a big push right now from whoever it is that's at the top and making the decisions for what calls itself the LGBTQ community to involve kids or want kids to somehow be a part of the movement. For me, I think kids should enjoy being young as long as they possibly can. And I don't say that in some kind of cheesy way pie in the sky, not based in reality kind of way. But I am a person who jumped into adulthood with both feet when I was 16 years old. And I literally did go from being a kid at 15 to living like an adult at 16. And yeah, there were a lot of parts that were wonky. There were a lot of parts that were not the way that an adult behaves. So I'm not really saying that I was an adult at that point, I'm saying I was trying to mimic an adult. I was trying to be an adult at those ages and I wasn't doing a good job of it, but nobody really cared what kind of job I was doing of it because almost everybody was exploiting me. When it comes to my family, my family has always been very good to me. I definitely do not mean my family as far as my parents or my sisters nobody like that. But as far as all the adults that were around me at that time, who were all either trying to be with me in some sort of sexual capacity or trying to date me. I mean, like, and it's really like I was thinking about it earlier today because it's really started to sink in for me. And you would think that in my advanced age, it would have sunk in for me at a different point or You would have thought it would have sunk in for me. Is it sunk or sank? Whichever. Uh, You would have thought it would have sank in for me. (laughs) I love when I don't know a word because I am really good with words, but I also can be kind of an idiot. But you would have thought it would have settled in much sooner that I was really in a very unhealthy situation when I was younger. And I never thought of it that way because I've just been so busy moving on with life and just working with life. And so it really has hit me lately that every relationship I had between 16 and 18, with no exceptions, was a person taking advantage was an adult taking advantage of a child and so it's hard for me to put it that way because I've never thought of it that way but I was in essence molested from the time that I was 16 to 18 and it's It's something that I really it's something that I really take into account when I discuss young people and LGBT or kids and LGBT because there was there were a lot of adults hanging a lot of adult baggage on me so while I would never recommend that kids get involved in an intimate way with adults i think more damaging for me at that point was the fact that all of these adults were putting these adult emotions on me and like i said adult baggage and i just wonder what what i would be like now and i'm not living in regret But it's just, I can't help but wonder what it would be like if I had just been able to explore being a kid with other kids. And so I did a joke the other day when I was on stage where I can't remember the exact wording of it, but I was in the middle of a bit. And at a point I said, young gay people, my generation... Fucked old men so you wouldn't have to. And it's it's definitely rough wording, but it's something that I, d- I do plan to keep in my set because I think that it's an important part because I know I wasn't the only one that was out in clubs at those ages, and it was because I had no choice but to be in clubs at those ages. There was no other place for us to go to be around gay people when I was a kid because I was coming up in the early well at that point it was the early 90s or mid 90s and so it really was one of those situations where the gay youth group which I ended up finding out about I think I found out about the gay youth group when I was like 19 because I didn't know about the gay magazines or, you know, I started going to clubs and people would talk about the gay magazines and I saw them all the time. There was a magazine in Phoenix, like one of the most legendary magazines in Phoenix is Echo Magazine. That's been our gay magazine forever. And Echo was around at that time. And then there was one called Sunstroke or Heatstroke that was um more of the tucson magazine because you know i came up in phoenix and so th- i believe it was the tucson magazine and it was called sunstroke i think or maybe it was Heatstroke. come here what do you want you want to sit with me or not you're lucky i'm letting you back on don't think i forgot my my memory isn't that bad come here if you want to sit with me it's lyndon he's back but yeah, so that was the magazine, and I, I never really bothered looking into it, and I n- now know that there was a gay youth group, and I ended up finding out, like when I, like I said, I think I was like 19 when I found out, because this girl that I was going to hair school with, yeah, which I, I think I was 19 when I was in hair school, But this girl that I was going to hair school with, I remember her being like, hey, do you wanna go to um, the gay youth group? And like in my head, I was thinking youth group, kid. Um, And at first I was like, no. And then she was like, well, it's like 17 through 27 or something like that. And maybe it was 16 through 27. I don't remember. But I just remember it was just a bunch of us. And I remember that everybody was around my same age at that time. And they, too, were in the bars at, you know, and they, too, were in the bars because I was 19. So at that point, because... I think about everything from me being a kid and I'm sorry that I'm unloading this on you guys right now but I, I think it's good for an unbothered because I've always shared more with you guys than I probably ever should have. And it's I don't think of things in terms of consequences as far as people judging me or who cares. Like the fact is my life has been my life and we've talked about deeper things than this but a lot of real... A lot of realizations have come to me lately when it comes to all of this stuff. But it really is quite baffling to me that by the time I was 19, I had already been in gay bars for three years and all of that was old hat to me. By the time I turned 21, I celebrated my 21st birthday in a bar that i had been going to for the last five years (laughs) and the bartender who was the manager as well he was a head bartender slash manager and he called it out he was like because you know i went in and i had been living in vegas for a year at that point because when i first moved to vegas i still had a fake id i was 20 i believe when i moved to vegas and so I was using my fake ID from Arizona, which I was 16 when I got my fake ID. And the um, the guy I was dating was 23, and it was his ID. And I remember that that was the first kind of conniving part about me. Because I, when I got together with him, I was really, really into him. Like, I was so into this guy. And I thought he was so cute. And I'm not going to say anything bad about him. But I will say that that cuteness definitely was overpowered by a negative trait that he had. And I... After, because you know, it was my first boyfriend, and I was super young, and of course, I fell super duper in love with him. Yeah, uh, you, you know, and and I had had other. I don't want to get too much into my sexual encounters, just because it's like a lot of that gets uncomfortable in those ages. Like now, I don't care about talking about like things I've done as an adult, but like. When I, like, there were a lot of things that, like, messed me up sexually when I was a kid. Um, Or a couple of things, I should say. And then once, so that, too. By the time I was 16, I really didn't think of that as anything because of the other things that had happened when I was younger. And those had been more noticeably traumatic, Like I, I knew those were wrong and I don't mean wrong because I'm gay. I mean, I knew that those were wrong. And so that, um, kind of like, I guess maybe that's what people are talking about when they say grooming, because grooming, I think is a process of desensitization And so, even though it wasn't a person doing it along the way, since it was happening, it did prepare me for being completely desensitized to that to the point where by the time I was 16, none of this seemed like anything wrong. And I want to be very clear that I 100% know. And that's what this episode is about or what I'm talking about right now is about is that, yes, it is completely wrong. And this is why now that there are so many options out there for young kids to hook up with other young kids and make those mistakes with other kids the way that it was intended. Like you think about what straight people get to go through or have been able to go through for all these years. And I'm not going to make it seem like every straight person has had the most perfect and ideal situation. So please don't mistake me for discounting the, extri- the experiences of straight people or making it seem like straight people just have it all made. And I'm not at all coming at anybody. I'm not bringing the word privilege into it. I don't think in those terms. I can talk in those terms when somebody's trying to make a point and like leverage those kinds of terms with me i'm very good at that and that's something people don't really understand about me is i am very fluent in those languages like when it comes to the language of victimization i am very fluent because i've had so much of it thrust upon me and i've had to hear so much of it that it made me look it all up and i really do know the dynamics of all of that stuff so when you see me in arguments online and I really push that on people, it's me using their own tools against them. It's not because that's really what my thinking is because in my thinking, coming from a complete place of victimization will never be a winning strategy. And that's why it's also kind of hard for me to talk about the things that I talk about right now and say the things that I have to say right now because I have to do a lot of accepting that in certain cases, I have been the victim and that's not ever been a comfortable place for me and it's not some place that I wanna find myself being comfortable in. At the same time though, I do feel that it's important for me to acknowledge that that's what those things were and get to know myself better in that way too so it's kind of a fine line that I'm having to work and it's kind of complicated dance that you guys are watching happen right now and it is me the first time ever talking this out loud I've never chosen to go to a therapist I probably will never choose to go to a therapist because I really do like discovering things on my own and I don't feel like I need anybody to talk to outside of my friends like you my audience my botherinas and in a lot of cases my bottom floors botherinas because I know that's who's gonna come back and watch this is my bottom floor bothering the people that really do care about me and if you're listening on audio we have our own thing and you know that I'm sorry I haven't been the best about this but let's just enjoy this one for what it is and how about no promises I'm gonna do my best to start doing more on the audio but I've lied to you guys a couple of times and that wasn't my intention but things just have gotten busier and busier and like I said I'm grateful for all of it but at the same time I have been a bit of a liar and for that I do apologize. None of it was intentional. But what I'm trying to get at with all of this is that when you're a when you're straight and you're young, you get to do things like dating in junior high, prom, um, you know, junior prom, homecoming, football games, like all of that fun stuff you get to do. And when you are gay in my generation. You couldn't even say that you were gay. You couldn't even comfortably tell people that you were gay. So you had to hide this huge part of yourself as it's actually developing. So this is late breaking news coming into your brain, and your body's going through these changes, and you're finding out that you're attracted to certain people, but you can give in to none of it. You can't even verbalize any of it. And so it definitely does stunt you in a lot of ways. And so then you need an outlet and you want to find what other kids have. You know, you want to be like, yeah, I do get to wear somebody's jacket or somebody gets to wear mine. I do get to go out on dates. I do get to be social and have kisses, which like when I was younger, I did you know i was closeted and so i had girlfriends and i'm not gonna act like my life was miserable in that way but in some ways that was even worse because i had to pretend to like these girls and nothing against these girls the girls were great i'm not i don't at all resent these women or, or young girls that i dated age appropriate of course um but i don't at all resent them it wasn't their fault they didn't know i was gay but i admit that I had to kind of like pretend to like these girls so I guess maybe I'm the asshole in this situation cause I was the one pretending they weren't pretending they probably really liked me but I had these girlfriends from like 12 or 13 to 16 and even that was a bit sheltered in some ways but I'd go to sleepovers with friends and lie to my mom about the way the situation was working out because my mom was the one in charge of really monitoring our behavior because my dad had to work so much that he wasn't able to really focus on that stuff or you know be involved with that he just kind of let my mom take the lead on that but um Yeah, so these girls, you know, and a lot of it was like, you know, kissing, dry humping, that kind of relationship stuff. But I remember there were two girlfriends I had that it was like a lot of kissing, kissing all the time, like, you know, and walking to classes together. Me walking them to their classes because, you know, I'm a boy, so I was supposed to walk them to their classes. And so there was a lot of that. But um, you know, having to pretend that you like people that you don't like. And I like them as people, not like that, but you know, having to pretend that you're attracted to people that you aren't attracted to. That's the better way to put it. But yeah. And so you're able to do so many things when you're, Straight or in my generation, you were able to do so many things when you were straight. And now, with people being accepting as as accepting as they are, it's like young LGBT people can express themselves for the most part. I'm not saying there aren't parents that are uh, against this, even in this generation, but that's less and less, and it's more and more accepted. And so while you're a kid and you have this world open to you where you don't have to be taken advantage of and exploited by older men or older women if you're a lesbian, why would you not take advantage of that and just enjoy everything that the world that we live in currently has to offer? And then, hopefully, you can be as well-adjusted as an adult as any straight person can be. And I see that happening right now with Gen Z. Where a lot of Gen Z people, where a lot of Gen Z kids really seem to be getting to actually know themselves... And the fact that they are comfortable in a lot of cases with gay, lesbian, trans, pansexual, everything. They're comfortable with everything. And they're not as sensitive as millennials. So it seems like it's its a really good balance that's happening with Gen Z right now. And Claire, who has been on the podcast, is one of my Gen Z friends and... I have a couple other Gen Z friends from the comedy world and I hear them talk and I see the way that they conduct themselves and I really do like what's going on there. I don't think they're a perfect generation by any means. I'm not trying to idealize them, but they do seem to have it a lot more on the ball than any of the generations that have come before them. Like, Gen X, which is my generation, was and is a little too damaged. That's something I can admit. We're strong, but it came from being very damaged and stories not unlike mine. Like a lot of Gen X was for lack of a better term molested or exploited or like all of that was normal um even though it was becoming like, people were starting to acknowledge that these things were a problem. But, in gen- like, Gen X was the last generation where somebody can completely get you drunk out of your mind, have sex with you, and that wasn't considered rape or sexual assault. Like, Gen X, that's what people probably wouldn't want to acknowledge about the dirty truth about Gen X. You know, uh, and then millennial. Well, if we talk about boomers, they were all the way messed up. You know what I mean? Like baby boomers were slapping their wives. I mean, like nothing. It was. Baby boomers were the Thunderdome of generations. I don't think there were any rules for the baby boomers. And then. I don't know what was in between the Baby Boomers um, and Gen X, but we'll just jump to Gen X because that's all I can think of, which I said we were strong but very damaged. And then the Millennials were just entirely and are just entirely... They, they're they an overcorrection. That's what I would say about the millennials. And a lot of them mean well, but they really are a toxic, toxic generation. I would even say, and I'm not trying to be that guy because I do have plenty of friends that are millennials that are really starting to figure themselves out and understand that a lot of that was unnecessary. But I do think there's a bit of deprogramming that happens with or has to happen with the millennials when it comes to being gen x i think most of us even though we have fun with it and will own it do realize that we had a lot to figure out or have a lot to figure out because of the way that we were raised and what it was that was considered normal while we were growing up so i i think you know like homophobia, transphobia, uh, racism, like in Gen X, a lot of that stuff was normal. And like I said, we were finding our way out of it, but because the generation before us was firmly ensconced in it, we had no choice, but to accept that that was the world that we lived in at that time. And we also were part of the last children were meant to be seen and not heard generation, which you can see how the two are necessary. Like now that we see the way everything's played out, you really can see how, yes, to a certain point, kids should be seen and not heard. Not 100%. So don't come down on me and act like I'm being that guy because really I'm not i think that kids do have a lot to offer and that young perspective is definitely needed so it's not like i think they should have to completely be silent but i still do think that there is some value and i did get a lot from having to be quiet and just learn from having to respect the elders even though now instead of just telling people to respect their elders i would say Respect your elder respect the elders that deserve respect respect the elders that actually and that I don't mean deserve respect as in you agree with everything they're saying I'm saying your elders that are willing to respectfully present themselves that are willing to respectfully present their ideas and opinions to you also opening to listen also open to listening to you and treating you Like a human being and respecting your value, but you kind of giving them a bit more respect just because they may have some wisdom that they're able to pass on to you. Because, like, when it comes to me specifically, and I'm not saying people should bow down to me, but I am saying, as far as when I'm dealing with younger people, which the younger people I'm dealing with are already out of their parents' care. You know, the younger people that I deal with are at the very minimum 18 years old. But it's even rare that you get an 18-year-old now because in the world of stand-up comedy, especially here in Austin and then when I was in Vegas, it tended to be a 21-and-up crowd. There's a few comics that were 18 uh, or between 18 and 21, but that was pretty rare. Um, but, you know, they blended with us. They were just one of the comics. But like when a person like me is trying to talk to younger people or they're asking me for advice, I do try to give them the best advice that I can give them. And I do fully acknowledge and even remind them at points of what a flawed person I am because I don't ever want to come off like I'm being like, you should just listen to me and I've got it all figured out and I've had it all figured out my entire life. No, I I am, I have a lot more on the ball now than I did even five or ten years ago. I was still learning a lot about myself five or ten years ago and I'm still learning a lot about myself now but it's just I've learned to be honest with myself in a different way in probably the last five and even more so three years where it's just been almost like if your computer is getting constant downloads And I think that that's where some people make the mistake of thinking that because you're older, you have to be set in your ways and you have to just think a particular way. I think that you can continue to grow mentally for as long as you're willing to continue to take in new information and that's like a lot with me and some people think the opposite because of some of the things that i say when it comes to lgbt specifically or more broadly or even more specifically than that trans and transgender but it's like a lot of that is taken the wrong way a lot of that is what i'm saying is the opposite of the way people take it people take it like i'm trying to tell them to put up with some sort of abuse or to not view themselves as human or to not respect themselves and it's really the complete opposite a lot of what i'm telling people when it comes to lgbt is stop getting your feelings hurt by people that don't matter stop looking to other people for validation stop trying to make the world accept you and just accept yourself and when you do that the world will just the world will just fall in line And the ones that don't don't matter because that's something that I've learned to do especially like I said in the last three to five years where I really learned to just be like I don't care what anybody thinks about anything to do with me whether it's the way I vote whether it's the way I talk whether it's the way I look my sexual orientation, my friends. I don't care what anybody thinks about me because I know what it is I am. I know what it is I've been through. I know why it is I make certain decisions I make and I know why I am a person that deserves respect and is a value. These are all things I know. So being that that's the way I carry myself, even people that completely disagree with me, still treat me with respect because I'm so used to respecting myself that they see that and they fall in line. And it's not something that I'm at all trying to force on anybody because that's the other thing that people don't understand about me and my thinking is if a person truly doesn't respect me and I can tell that a person doesn't value me on any level I will just completely stay away from that person I don't try to change that person's mind I don't feel a need to be like please love me please like me please be my friend I just let them do what they do and go where they go and not I don't make it my problem. And also when people choose not to be around me or work with me, I don't get mad at them for that and I don't hold hard feelings about that. I take that as, okay, that's a situation that didn't work out, but I'm old enough to know that if I stay open something else will come along like it's the saying you know where god doesn't close a door without opening a window that really is the way that i look at life now and sometimes i do still struggle with having to remind myself about that because it's been so long that and i've been conditioned for so long that You're supposed to hold on to every opportunity and everything that doesn't go through must be a bad thing. And uh, this is the way that we're programmed even if people don't admit that this is the way that we're programmed, you know, or that that's the way that they were programming us. Maybe less now because I don't know what the younger kids are being taught you know, I know what they're coming out like. And like I said, I really do like what Gen Z, if the next generation is, even, is an even better version of that, I'll really feel like we're completely headed in the right direction. And then nobody will have to worry about transphobia, homophobia, any of that kind of stuff. Because if you notice, each generation is just getting better at just being natural about that and treating that like it's anything else, which is... Eventually, where I want it to end up. Like, I'm fine with the fact that in some cases my thinking will die with me because with the world evolving the way that it's evolving, it probably won't be necessary to have to be this version any longer, which is a good thing because I came from having to literally be this strong because when I was younger everybody was always shitting on me and I don't mean that directly on me because I was not like that for sure but because I was always like you know good about boundaries to a certain degree but just when you're constantly hearing in the media and from even people in conversation that everything about you is wrong the fact that you're latino there's something wrong with that because you know i grew up in arizona which is or was a racist place it's gotten a lot better but The the rumors about Arizona being racist are definitely true. That doesn't mean there weren't good people there, and that doesn't mean that these people were trying to be that way. I don't think they were evil. I think it was just that's the way everybody was raised or a lot of people were raised there. Like, the N-word was just a regular occurrence when I was growing up in Arizona. For somebody to say, you know, derogatory things about Mexicans was just a regular thing in Arizona. All of this was just you know, normal, um, when I was coming up. And so I had to learn to have a thick skin, you know, even the stuff I deal with now. And some of the stuff that I tell, you know, some of the younger people, it's because they are still having to deal with people from my generation and older. And also some of the people in the millennial generation or the people that have overcorrected, again from the gen z so maybe it'll continue to like back and forth to certain but i really feel like it's gonna it's like in these next couple of generations when it comes to a lot of this stuff people are really gonna get it at least in this country and i know other countries are developing at different rates and it's unfortunate that that's happening in the way that it's happening. You know, when you look at the treatment of what would be considered LGBT in Russia, or when you look at some of the things that are happening in China, or, you know, you go way more extreme, North Korea. But at the same time, I can't be worried about those other Countries because I have no control over there. I can't change anything there and especially with you know Like me being the person that I am and where I'm from It's like I have no bearing on that So to me that would be wasted energy and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't occasionally think about it or we shouldn't show compassion or maybe if there's some way that our government can help that we shouldn't try to get our government to do that I'm not saying that you know, we just should pretend like it's not there, but I'm saying to really stress about it would be wasted energy, in my opinion, or for me. So if you want to do that, then you do that, but I'm not, I'm not gonna concentrate on that. But what I am saying when it comes to that kind of stuff is that in this country, I feel like in the next couple of upcoming generations, which you know, I'll either be super old or dead. <laughs> <laughs> um but I you know I I feel like having to be a personality like me when it comes to the vulnerabilities that I have as far as race or sexual orientation won't be necessary and that will be a good thing when you don't have to be like me when nobody in society has to be like me that will be a good thing And I wish I hadn't had to be like me. You know, I remember what a nice, and I'm not being silly, but I do remember what a nice kid I was. And I do remember that when I was younger, I really did, because my parents loved me more and love me now more than anybody should ever love anybody. Like, they haven't been perfect, but they definitely always there was never a point where I wondered if they loved me like my entire life there were parts where I hated them for sure but I never wondered if my parents loved me I've joked about it on stage but because you know sometimes when I'm on social media people will be like you need a hug or, you know, like, I guess your mom didn't love you. And I tell people all the time, no, I'm what happens when people love you too much. I'm, ha- I'm what happens when you feel like you can't fuck up no matter what happens. And that's kind of unfortunate and fortunate in the same way. I mean, like there definitely have been moments where I felt like I fucked up or whatever. But as far as the most important people in the world, who would be my parents and my family loving me, I don't question that ever. Like, my even when it comes to my sisters and my nephews and nieces, and yeah, I get pissed off at them sometimes, and they get pissed off at me sometimes. But I don't feel like I'm ever in danger of losing their love, and I know that they're not in danger of losing mine, even though we will have times where we don't talk to each other or don't interact or sometimes it's better for us not to be around each other because maybe somebody's growing through a toxic phase or somebody just needs time alone and then also in my family we do that too where we'll just choose to stay away from the others. sorry puppy we'll choose to stay from the uh, stay away from the others just because you know we're going through things that don't require, like, I haven't talked to my parents, I mean, like, very much at all recently, um, unless absolutely necessary, I haven't talked to them, and so I haven't really been in touch with them, but I don't feel at all disconnected from them, or, like, I don't like them, like, I don't love them, like, uh, you know, like, I wonder if they love me, or whatever, I don't, like that at all i know they love me i know i love them and um but when it comes to you know the way that the outside world was with me um there was definitely a reason that i turned into the person that i am you know even when i think about when i was first starting to actually work uh they like they were mean to me at the jobs that i had you know the I worked at a grocery store and they just were so mean to me and I was always trying to be nice. It was kind of like my parents had raised me to have a lot of respect and treat people with respect at all times to a fault. That's one thing I really wish my parents hadn't done with me and I will not do with my kids or kid. see what we have time for but there's one thing i won't do with offspring that i produce and that is teach them to just respect people because of their age like i said earlier respect people Respect elders that actually deserve your respect because I was treating everybody with respect and people saw that as a sign of weakness. So they completely mistreated me. I remember when I was younger, I um, was raised not to ever call into work unless it was an absolute like it just you practically had to be on your deathbed and I had a cousin that was my same age that literally shot himself in the head and i only laugh because it's such a such a such a brutal and horrible thing and he was my same age and we didn't hang out hang out but it was he was a cousin and so when you know we would do family things where you know we'd all when we were kids. And we'd all be, like, at a wedding or uh, somebody important's birthday or something like that. Then, you know, as the kids, we'd all hang out. And, of course, with him being the cousin that was my same age and also a boy, like, I really did like him. I really did love him. He was my cousin. And so when he died, it was just such a horrible thing for me. And I call like... Asked for a day off. I didn't even call in. I just asked for a day off. So that I could go to his um, funeral. And uh, they told me no at first. And it was something that I actually had to go into the main manager's office. And I also had to produce the obituary. Because, and keep in mind, since I was raised to not call in to work, I hadn't called in to work. So, and I had been working for them at that point probably nine months. I ended up working for them for over a year and a half. But yeah, you know, um, and my, like, my whole life was a lot of those things and that's why like I'm the person that I am now and I'm as assertive as I am now because the way that I finally quit that job when I finally got tired of it was I was sick um, and I puked and I flushed the toilet of course because I had puked and I told that same manager the one that made me produce the obituary which i don't know why my parents didn't and never mind that doesn't matter i guess uh, cuz they think about that too sometimes why my parents still made me play these people's game and never told me just to tell them to fuck off um but yeah so i i puked and it was cuz i had been put on this medication for acne And it was fucking with my stomach and I like my body was adjusting and I I really got sick and I flushed the toilet and then I had to tell that same manager that I was sick and I needed to go home and I told him that I just got through getting sick in the bathroom and then he literally said let me see. And I was like, I flushed the toilet. And he was like, well, then how do I know you're sick? And then I, it was old school punch card. And so I just went ahead and walked over to, you know, the punch card holder. And I grabbed my punch card and he was like, what are you doing? And I just literally said, fuck you. His name was Jay. And I said, fuck you, Jay. And I just punched out, and I left. And um, then after that, that led to a lot of telling a lot of people to fuck off. (laughs) It It just broke the seal. And maybe that's why my parents didn't have me do it sooner was because they... Maybe they knew that I would do that. But, like, I had done a similar thing with school, too. But, you know, it was, like, each time I would do something new, it would be another cycle like that. Which, in that way, it was, like, a bunch of people trying to break me down, not realizing that I was already coming to them broken. Like, I had already had so many people do that with me. And I also know that it somewhat comes from like i said because i know that the most important people in the world i can't lose them there's a certain amount of confidence that i have that people don't really like people find threatening and so that's something i went through in school where it was people trying to break me down and then eventually one day i just told one teacher fuck you and i literally that's the way it went and then from there it just turned into a string of fuck you's And then um, I started working and started with total respect and then just jumped into the straight up fuck you after being mistreated and then continued on that streak. And then I had it happen with stand-up comedy as well. I was mistreated doing stand-up comedy in so many ways and I still don't talk about a lot of it because a lot of those people are still working in stand-up and so i have told them person to person fuck you but i'm not gonna tell the stories because um it would just be too much of a disruption and it would be a lot of people hearing a lot of things that they're not ready to hear and they're not ready to own up to and that for me, because I've already told them, fuck you, person to person, I don't feel like I have to tell them, fuck you, in a public forum at this point. Including sexual harassment, which one time I recorded a whole episode about that. And then I never posted it. And this was like several years ago. um, Probably like five, five years ago that I posted, um, or not posted, I recorded... And I think it got lost on the hard drive that got damaged. Um, There was one that had, like, a bunch of... Like, all the old unbothered audio only. And that one, like, I remember I called out names and, like, the people that knew that I was being sexually harassed and the people that I told and that didn't want to believe me or listen to me, and I really went in on that episode and i um i uh i'm probably better for the fact that i didn't post it and it might be better that it's gone but also it might be somewhere and if i ever find it maybe i'll post it just because it was all true I mean, everything that I said and the way that I said it was all 100% just the way the story went and would let people know how it is that people get away with sexually harassing and sexually assaulting people in this business for years because when you tell people if people like the person that has sexually harassed you or they think there's something to gain from that person they will try to gaslight you into believing that it didn't happen or they will try to insult you into not ever wanting to tell the story again or they will enforce professional consequences or impose professional consequences so that you have less visib less visibility which of course equates to less reach which equates to less people hearing your story so it gets drowned out anyway but all that we can talk about another time in the meantime stay unbothered